Part three of the Affair at the Semiramis Hotel by A. E. W. Mason. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three. Mr. Ricardo could no longer complain. It was half past eight when Caledine had first disturbed the formalities of his house in Grosvenor Square. It was barely ten now, and during that short time he had been flung from surprise to surprise. He had looked underground on a morning of fresh summer, and had been thrilled by the contrast between the queer, sinister life below and within, and the open call to joy of the green world above. He had passed from incredulity to belief, from belief to incredulity, and when at last incredulity was firmly established, and the story to which he had listened proved the emanation of a drugged and heated brain, lo the facts buffeted him in the face and the story was shown to be true i am alive once more mr ricardo thought as he turned back with hanaud and in his excitement he cried his thought aloud are you said hanaud and what is life without a newspaper if you will buy one from that remarkably raucous boy at the bottom of the street i will keep an eye upon caledine's house till you come back Mr. Ricardo spread down to Charing Cross and brought back a copy of the fourth edition of the Star. He handed it to Hanaud, who stared at it doubtfully, folded as it was. "'Shall we see what it says?' Ricardo asked impatiently. "'By no means,' Hanaud answered, waking from his reverie, tucking briskly away the paper into the tail-pocket of his coat. "'We will hear what Miss Joan Carew has to say, with our minds undisturbed by any discoveries.' i was wondering about something totally different yes mr ricardo encouraged him what was it i was wondering since it is only ten o'clock at what hour the first editions of the evening papers appear it is a question mr ricardo replied sententiously which the greatest minds have failed to answer and they walked along the street to the house the front door stood open during the day like the front door of any other house which is let off in sets of rooms hanaud and ricardo went up the staircase and rang the bell of caledine's door a middle-aged woman opened it mr caledine is in said hanaud i will ask replied the woman what name shall i say it does not matter i will go straight in said hanaud quietly i was here with my friend but a minute ago he went straight forward and into Caledine's parlour. Mr. Ricardo looked over his shoulder as he opened the door and saw a girl turn to them suddenly, a white face of terror, and flinch as though already she felt the hand of a constable upon her shoulder. Caledine, on the other hand, uttered a cry of relief. "'These are my friends,' he exclaimed to the girl, "'the friends of whom I spoke to you.' And to Hanaud he said, "'This is Miss Carew.' hanaud bowed you shall tell me your story mademoiselle he said very gently and a little colour returned to the girl's cheeks a little courage revived in her but you have heard it she answered not from you said hanaud so for a second time in that room she told the history of that night only this time the sunlight was warm upon the world the comfortable sounds of life's routine were borne through the windows and the girl herself wore the inconspicuous blue serge of a thousand other girls afoot that morning these trifles of circumstance took the edge of sheer horror off her narrative so that to tell the truth mr ricardo was a trifle disappointed he wanted a crescendo motive in his music whereas it had begun at its fortissimo 
hanaud however was the perfect listener he listened without stirring and with most compassionate eyes so that joan carew spoke only to him and to him each moment that passed with greater confidence the life and sparkle of her had gone altogether there was nothing in her manner now to suggest the waywardness the gay irresponsibility the radiance which had attracted calladine the night before she was just a very young and very pretty girl telling in a low and remorseful voice of the tragic dilemma to which she had brought herself of selimine all that remained was something exquisite and fragile in her beauty in the slimness of her figure in her daintiness of hand and foot something almost of the hothouse but the story she told was detail for detail the same which calladine had already related thank you said hanaud when she had done now i must ask you two questions i will answer them mr ricardo sat up he began to think of a third question which he might put himself something uncommonly subtle and searching which hanaud would never have thought of but hanaud put his questions and ricardo almost jumped out of his chair you will forgive me miss carew but have you ever stolen before joan carew turned upon hanaud with spirit then a change swept over her face you have a right to ask she answered never she looked into his eyes as she answered hanaud did not move he sat with a hand upon each knee and led to his second question early this morning when you left this room you told mr calladine that you would wait at the semiramis until he telephoned to you yes yet when he telephoned you had gone out yes why i will tell you said joan carew i could not bear to keep the little diamond chain in my room for a moment even hanaud was surprised he had lost sight of that complication now he leaned forward anxiously indeed with a greater anxiety than he had yet shown in all this affair i was terrified continued joan carew i kept thinking they must have found out by now they will search everywhere i didn't reason i lay in bed expecting to hear every moment a loud knocking on the door besides the chain itself being there in my bedroom her chain the dead woman's chain no i couldn't endure it i felt as if i had stolen it and then my maid brought in my tea you had locked it away cried hanaud yes my maid did not see it joan carew explained how she had risen dressed wrapped the chain in a pad of cotton wool and enclosed it in an envelope the envelope had not the stamp of the hotel upon it it was a rather large envelope one of a packet which she had bought in a crowded shop in oxford street on her way from euston to the semiramis she had bought the envelopes of that particular size in order that when she sent her letter of introduction to the director of the opera at covent garden she might enclose with it a photograph and to whom did you send it asked mr ricardo to mrs blumenstein at the semiramis i printed the address carefully then i went out and posted it where hanaud inquired in the big letter-box of the post-office at the corner of trafalgar square hanaud looked at the girl sharply you had your wits about you i see he said what if the envelope gets lost said ricardo hanaud laughed grimly if one envelope is delivered at its address in london to-day it will be that one he said the news of the crime is published you see and he swung round to joan did you know that miss carew no she answered in an awe-stricken voice well then it is let us see what the special investigator has to say about it 
and hanaud with a deliberation which mr ricardo found quite excruciating spread out the newspaper on the table in front of him four there was only one new fact in the couple of columns devoted to the mystery mrs blumenstein had died from chloroform poisoning she was of a stout habit and the thieves were not skilled in the administration of the anaesthetic it's murder none the less said hanaud and he gazed straight at joan asking her by the direct summons of his eye what she was going to do i must tell my story to the police she replied painfully and slowly but she did not hesitate she was announcing a meditated plan hanaud neither agreed nor differed his face was blank and when he spoke there was no cordiality in his voice well he asked and what is it that you have to say to the police miss that you went into the room to steal and that you were attacked by two strangers dressed as apaches and masked that is all yes and how many men at the semiramis ball were dressed as apaches and wore masks come make a guess a hundred at the least i should think so then what will your confession do beyond i quote your english idiom putting you in the coach mr ricardo now smiled with relief hanaud was taking a definite line his knowledge of idiomatic english might be incomplete but his heart was in the right place the girl traced a vague pattern on the tablecloth with her fingers yet i think i must tell the police she repeated looking up and dropping her eyes again mr ricardo noticed that her eyelashes were very long for the first time hanaud's face relaxed and i think you are quite right he cried heartily to mr ricardo's surprise tell them the truth before they suspect it and they will help you out of the affair if they can not a doubt of it come i will go with you myself to scotland yard thank you said joan and the pair drove away in a cab together hanaud returned to grosvenor square alone and lunched with ricardo it was all right he said the police were very kind miss joan carew told her story to them as she had told it to us fortunately the envelope with the aluminum chain had already been delivered and was in their hands they were much mystified about it but miss joan's story gave them a reasonable explanation i think they were inclined to believe her and if she is speaking the truth they will keep her out of the witness-box if they can she is to stay here in london then asked ricardo oh yes she is not to go she will present her letters at the opera house and secure an engagement if she can the criminals might be lulled thereby into a belief that the girl had kept the whole strange incident to herself and that there was nowhere even a knowledge of the disguise which they had used hanaud spoke as carelessly as if the matter were not very important and ricardo with an unusual flash of shrewdness said it is clear my friend that you do not think those two men will ever be caught at all hanaud shrugged his shoulders there is always a chance but listen there is a room with a hundred guns one of which is loaded outside the room there are a hundred pigeons one of which is white you are taken into the room blindfold you choose the loaded gun and you shoot the one white pigeon that is the value of the chance but exclaimed ricardo those pearls were of great value and i have heard at a trial expert evidence given by pearl merchants all agree that the pearls of great value are known so when they come upon the market that is true hanaud interrupted imperturbably but how are they known by their weight said mr ricardo 
exactly replied hanaud but did you not also hear at this trial of yours that pearls can be peeled like an onion no it is true remove a skin two skins the weight is altered the pearl is a trifle smaller it has lost a little of its value yes but you can no longer identify it as the so-and-so pearl which belonged to this or that sultan was stolen by the vizier bought by messrs lustra and stanopolis of hatton garden and subsequently sold to the wealthy mrs blumenstein no your pearl has vanished altogether there is a new pearl which can be traded he looked at ricardo who shall say that those pearls are not already in one of the queer little back streets of amsterdam undergoing their transformation mr ricardo was not persuaded because he would not be i have some experience in these matters he said loftily to hanaud i am sure that we shall lay our hands upon the criminals we have never failed hanaud grinned from ear to ear the only experience which mr ricardo had ever had was gained on the shores of geneva and at aix under hanaud's tuition but hanaud did not argue and there the matter rested the days flew by it was london's playtime the green and gold of early summer deepened and darkened wondrous warm nights under england's pale blue sky when the streets rang with the joyous feet of youth led in clear dawns and lovely glowing days hanaud made acquaintance with the wooded reaches of the thames joan carew sang louise at covent garden with notable success and the affair of the semiramis hotel in the minds of the few who remembered it was already added to the long list of unfathomed mysteries but towards the end of may there occurred a startling development joan carew wrote to mr ricardo that she would call upon him in the afternoon and she begged him to secure the presence of hanaud she came as the clock struck she was pale and agitated and in the room where calladine had first told the story of her visit she told another story which to mr ricardo's thinking was yet more strange and yes yet more suspicious it has been going on for some time she began i thought of coming to you at once and then i wondered whether if i waited oh you'll never believe me let us hear said hanaud patiently i began to dream of that room the two men disguised and masked the still figure in the bed night after night i was terrified to go to sleep i felt the hand upon my mouth i used to catch myself falling asleep and walk about the room with all the lights up to keep myself awake but you couldn't said hanaud with a smile only the old can do that no i couldn't she admitted and oh my nights were horrible until she paused and looked at her companions doubtfully until one night the mask slipped what cried hanaud and a note of sternness rang suddenly in his voice what are you saying with a desperate rush of words and the colour staining her forehead and cheeks joan carew continued it's true the mask slipped on the face of one of the men of the man who held me only a little way it just left his forehead visible no more well asked hanaud and mr ricardo leaned forward swaying between the austerity of criticism and the desire to believe so thrilling a revelation i waked up the girl continued in the darkness and for a moment the whole scene remained vividly with me for just long enough for me to fix clearly in my mind the figure of the apache with the white forehead showing above the mask when was that asked ricardo a fortnight ago why didn't you come with your story then 
i waited said joan what i had to tell wasn't yet helpful i thought that another night the mask might slip lower still besides i oh it is difficult to describe just what i felt i felt it important just to keep that photograph in my mind not to think about it not to talk about it not even to look at it too often lest i should begin to imagine the rest of the face and find something familiar in the man's carriage and shape when there was nothing really familiar to me at all do you understand that she asked with her eyes fixed in appeal on hanaud's face yes replied hanaud i follow your thought i thought there was a chance now the strangest chance that the truth might be reached i did not wish to spoil it and she turned eagerly to ricardo as if having persuaded hanaud she would now turn her batteries on his companion my whole point of view was changed i was no longer afraid of falling asleep lest i should dream i wished to dream but but you could not suggested hanaud no that is the truth replied joan carew whereas before i was anxious to keep awake and yet must sleep from sheer fatigue now that i tried consciously to put myself to sleep i remained awake all through the night and only towards the morning when the light was coming through the blinds dropped off into a heavy dreamless slumber hanaud nodded it is a very perverse world miss carew and things go by contraries ricardo listened for some note of irony in hanaud's voice some look of disbelief in his face but there was neither the one nor the other hanaud was listening patiently then came my rehearsals joan carew continued and that wonderful opera drove everything else out of my head i had such a chance if only i could make use of it when i went to bed now i went with that haunting music in my ears the call of paris oh you must remember it but can you realize what it must mean to a girl who's going to sing it for the first time in covent garden mr ricardo saw his opportunity he the connoisseur to whom the psychology of the green room was an open book could answer that question it is true my friend he informed hanaud with quiet authority the great march of events leaves the artist cold he lives aloof while the tumbrils thunder in the streets he adds a delicate tint to the picture he is engaged upon or recalls his triumph in his last great part thank you said hanaud gravely and now miss carew may perhaps resume her story it was the very night of my debut she continued i had supper with some friends a great artist carmen valeri honoured me with her presence i went home excited and that night i dreamed again yes this time the chin the lips the eyes were visible there was only a black strip across the middle of the face and i thought nay i was sure that if that strip vanished i should know the man and did it vanish three nights afterwards and you did know the man the girl's face became troubled she frowned i knew the face that was all she answered i was disappointed i had never spoken to the man i am sure of that still but somewhere i have seen him you don't even remember when asked hanaud no joan carew reflected for a moment with her eyes upon the carpet and then flung up her head with a gesture of despair no i try all the time to remember but it is no good mr ricardo could not restrain a movement of indignation he was being played with the girl with her fantastic story had worked him up to a real pitch of excitement only to make a fool of him all his earlier suspicions flowed back into his mind 
what if after all she was implicated in the murder and the theft what if with a perverse cunning she had told hanaud and himself just enough of what she knew just enough of the truth to persuade them to protect her what if her frank confession of her own overpowering impulse to steal the necklace was nothing more than a subtle appeal to the sentimental pity of men an appeal based upon a wider knowledge of men's weaknesses than a girl of nineteen or twenty ought to have mr ricardo cleared his throat and sat forward in his chair he was girding himself for a singularly searching interrogatory when hanaud asked the most irrelevant of questions how did you pass the evening of that night when you first dreamed complete the face of your assailant joan carew reflected then her face cleared i know she exclaimed i was at the opera and what was being given the jewels of the madonna hanaud nodded his head to ricardo it seemed that he had expected precisely that answer now he continued you are sure that you have seen this man yes very well said hanaud there is a game you play at children's parties is there not animal vegetable or mineral and always you get the answer let us play that game for a few minutes you and i joan carew drew up her chair to the table and sat with her chin propped upon her hands and her eyes fixed on hanaud's face as he put each question she pondered on it and answered if she answered doubtfully he pressed it you crossed on the lucania from new york yes picture to yourself the dining-room the tables you have the picture quite clear yes was it at breakfast that you saw him no at luncheon no at dinner she paused for a moment summoning before her eyes the travellers at the tables no not in the dining-table at all then no in the library when you were writing letters did you not one day lift your head and see him no on the promenade deck did he pass you when you sat in your deck chair or did you pass him when he sat in his chair no step by step hanaud took her back to new york to her hotel to journeys in the train then he carried her to milan where she had studied it was extraordinary to ricardo to realize how much hanaud knew of the curriculum of a student aspiring to grand opera from milan he brought her again to new york and at the last with a start of joy she cried yes it was there hanaud took his handkerchief from his pocket and wiped his forehead Ugh, he grunted to concentrate the mind on a day like this it makes one hot i can tell you now miss carew let us hear it was at a concert at the house of a mrs starlingsfield in fifth avenue and in the afternoon joan carew sang she was a stranger to new york and very nervous she saw nothing but a mist of faces while she sang but when she had finished the mist cleared and as she left the improvised stage she saw the man he was standing against the wall in a line of men there was no particular reason why her eyes should single him out except that he was paying no attention to her singing and indeed she forgot him altogether afterwards i just happened to see him clearly and distinctly she said he was tall clean-shaven rather dark not particularly young thirty-five or so i should say a man with a heavy face and beginning to grow stout he moved away whilst i was bowing to the audience and i noticed him afterwards walking about talking to people do you remember to whom no did he notice you do you think 
i am sure he didn't the girl replied emphatically he never looked at the stage where i was singing and he never looked towards me afterwards end of part three